the Internet's most listened to talk radio network, VoiceAmerica.com, with Joyce Bender and Disability Matters. Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome to the show. I'm telling you what, so excited about this show this week because just this past week, I was in Phoenix, Arizona, and I got to go over to Tempe and see the headquarters of VoiceAmerica.com and meet all the tremendous uh, people who work there, and I am really impressed. And they are really a bunch of great people, so a special hello to all of them. And then I have to say thank you to Ben Roethlisberger and Jerome Bettis, because you remember what I said last week. If I would have lost that bet, I was going to be at Well Point wearing that Indianapolis Colts shirt. So David Casey... Get ready to put on that Jerome Bettis shirt when I come out to visit you. And, you know, our show today we have received a million emails and calls from, and that is because we have with us today a very well-known, famous civil rights leader, Stephen Bennett, President and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy Association, so highly spoken of by both Andy Imperato and Tony Quello. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joy. And, and what happened here last week, Steve, is that I was in Indianapolis and I made a bet and I was going to have to wear that cold shirt. So <laughs> now I don't have to, but <laughs> I don't want to wear a Denver Broncos shirt either. Well, Stephen, it is really an honor to have you as our guest today, and you are the president and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy. Maybe you could start by telling our listeners a little bit about yourself because I know you spent a lifetime in this disability area. Um, my question, what got you involved? Well, I, we all get involved for a variety of reasons, and they're never probably what any of us expect. I was a direct care staff uh, working in a fairly large facility back in like 1971, while I was going to college. I worked at night, and I was a direct care staff. We were called orderlies back then and graduated to a, a nursing aide. But my job was to do the physical care for a group of physically disabled men who had just recently come out of um, the state hospitals in California, mainly Camarillo and Lanterman. And uh, you live that personally with a group of people uh, for a while, and uh, they become part of your life and, and yours part of theirs. And anybody who's done direct care knows exactly what I'm talking about. And as I went ahead and, and went through college and, and uh, moved on to work and career, uh, it all went with me. And I'd been a anti-war activist in the 60s, as uh, maybe some of your listeners can remember. Uh, those very trying and difficult days, but I took that type of advocacy and uh, skill set that I learned and applied it uh, to disabilities and got very active in the 70s and early 80s, particularly as we started the deinstitutionalization movement uh, and, you know, Wolf Wolfensberger normalization and all those things that uh, when we felt like we were freedom fighters and uh, getting people out of incarceration and trying to find ways to set people free. Well, you are a freedom fighter. And I'll just tell you, there's so many people with disabilities 
still what I call in prison today where they are in nursing homes or institutions when they should not be, and my hat is off to you for all the work that you have done and that UCP has done. But I'll tell you, since I, too, lived through the 60s, that really has an impact on you and teaches you advocacy like nothing else. That's right. It was such a trying time. And, you know, on the other hand, it was also a time of so many great civil rights things that happened uh, for us. Of course, 1964 was the Civil Rights Act, but, you know, we still have a long way to go in that area also. Yes, and it all fits together. As, as long as anybody's not free, uh, if if anybody is treated with discrimination, if anyone doesn't have equal access and, and opportunities, then we haven't gotten the job done. Right. Amen to that. Well, Steve, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, United Cerebral Palsy Association, frequently referred to as UCP right. nationally, and what its mission is. Uh, United Cerebral Palsy was really started in the late 40s by parents who, you know, we didn't have schools, we didn't have centers uh, uh, that provided therapy or support, and it was really a parent support group that evolved into a network of now uh, 100 agencies across America, uh, actually including Australia and uh, Canada. And um, they evolved as their communities and their leaderships evolved them. Uh, there are a wide range of organizations, uh, but they grew uh, uh, in a really large uh, way during the deinstitutionalization movement of the 70s and 80s because United Cerebral Palsy really got behind housing and community living and alternative living, supportive living, assisted living, etc. And the organization just grew dramatically during that period of time. And the thing that holds everybody together is that mission to advance independence and productivity and full citizenship and they do it very uh, a lot of different ways because towns are different, cities are different. They kind of respond to the the city. Uh, but we probably spend uh, over a billion dollars a year in direct services, and probably forty, fifty percent of that is on housing and supportive living alone. Wow, that is fantastic! And with that uh, comes our first email question from <coughs> Ted in Kansas, saying. Uh, Mr. Bennett, you know, congratulations on the great work you've done. I appreciate what you're doing to help people with disabilities. I was wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about home ability. Oh, that's great. Uh, home ability is a program that is sponsored by Fannie Mae that we do. We particularly have a very strong program in Texas. Uh, with our uh, state office in Texas. And what we're trying to do is help lenders and uh, banks, local organizations that do lending, uh, learn how to provide home loans for people on stable income, even if that income is just SSI. And the goal is to help people with disabilities on Medicaid and SSI own their own home. And that's that's the bottom line on what home ability is about, and it is very exciting. There's a huge message in it, uh, as well as a very practical side of it that actually helps people own their own home. And we're we're very excited about it. We're just in the faces of training our affiliates to go out and work with local lenders to educate them on how to do this, and it's all with the help of the Fannie Mae Corporation. So you mean Fannie Mae is contributing the funds toward this? 
Fannie Mae is contributing the funds for us to do the training. So it's like a grant from Fannie Mae. And then on the other hand, Fannie Mae is talking to local, uh, regional underwriting lenders who put up the money for a – the local bank will loan you money, but they will get that loan money and the loan insured by a regional bank that's funded by Fannie Mae. Uh, that's not very clear, but it, 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 banks usually don't loan just their own money. They loan money, uh, other people's money to you. Right. And so it's kind of insured when they loan money to somebody with a disability. Now, this home ability, is this all across the United States you'll be doing this? We're doing it in, I think, seven markets this year, uh, trying it out. And I'm, uh, one market, obviously, is in Austin, Texas, in uh, Miami and Birmingham, Alabama. Um, I'm trying to think of the other markets. I, I'm, I don't have that right in front of me. I'm sorry. I'm wondering if people lived in any of those areas and they hear this show and they're interested, what should they do or how could they find out more about this? Um, I think probably the best thing for them to do is contact our uh, head of the program, who is probably our best communication link, and that is Gene Langendorf in Austin, Texas. And let me just give you um, a way to contact her. Her email uh, address is L at ucptexas.org. Okay, L, J-E-A-N? Yes, letter L. Okay, now at ucptexas.org. Dot org. Wow, that is really a great program. It's really neat. I mean, that is really exciting because I know that there aren't as many people with disabilities, of course, that own homes. Right. As as non-disabled Americans, I always say, you know, you're never free in this country until you have employment because without employment, of course, you can't live that dream of owning a home, doing all these things. So that's why this is really great. And also, my hats off to Fannie Mae for being involved with that. Uh, oh yeah, it's really terrific. Another uh, uh, way you can get uh, information on this whole program, because in, in many ways the program's not retail yet. It's really to get the lenders ready to do it. Is you can go to our site, and it's www.ucp.org/backslash/housing. Okay, that's www.ucp.org backslash housing. housing. Yep. Okay, and that is another way you can find out information about this. Yes. And, of course, if anyone contacts me, I will be certain to forward them back to UCP to you know follow up because that, that is just the most exciting thing. It's really neat because it's it, you're trying to make the system work for people rather than, you know, it's one thing to give somebody money to help them buy a house. It's another to dis, to help the system respond to anybody who wants to buy a house. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Well, I'm sure we'll be reading yeah. and hearing more about that. Joyce, one of the big problems with it all, however, is the lack of good accessible housing that's affordable. And so we look at programs like this. I just, you know, one of the the things we beat the drum about constantly is universal design and affordability of housing. It is so difficult, and there are many markets where no matter how much lending we can provide, there's no way people can buy a house. Uh, Los Angeles, Washington D.C., New York City. It's just there's no affordable housing for people. You know what? And I'm going to tell you something about that. 
when I employ people with this, I know you're right, because when we employ people with disabilities, there's that person that finally gets a job, finally gets employment, and then they can't find an accessible apartment or accessible housing or whatever. Then the other extreme, of course, is if the person's in poverty, how would they ever buy a house in those areas? Right, let alone pay rent. Right. Now, and that is something that UCP also works on. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, UCP does a lot, and we are excited to have with us today Stephen Bennett, the president and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy Association. We'll be right back after this break. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Joyce Bender will be right back. The world leader in Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. At Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Have you put down the morning paper in disgust because they weren't reporting what you wanted to read? Have you wondered why there aren't more women's voices in the news? Well, so have I, and we're about to change that. This is former Minnesota State Senator Ember Reichgott Young. I hope you'll join me for a new radio show every Thursday all about women on the move. We'll look at what's missing in the news, the issues often ignored in mainstream media, like how does Social Security reform really affect women? Why is the Department of Labor proposing to stop collecting workforce data on women? What role will women play in Iraq's new government? We'll create that debate right here. The Ember Reichgott Young Show will have prominent women you know and inspiring women you don't know. We'll share stories of women's leadership, courage, and vision. We just need you to be part of the conversation. So join us for the Ember Reichgott Young Show every Thursday at 1 p.m. Central Time. It's all about you, women on the move, on voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. 
If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back, and we are talking to an exciting leader in this country for Americans with Disabilities, Stephen Bennett, the President and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy, and let me tell you, he's making it happen there. And Steve, for listeners throughout the world listening to the show, I was starting to ask you, the size of UCP nationally is what again? It, we, we have about 100 affiliates in the United States, uh, and we spend about a billion four a year on direct services, therapy, after-school programs, day services, supportive living, and probably 40% of that is in housing and assisted living. Um, and th- that is just absolutely tremendous. And is that your main mission, just quality of life for people with disabilities, or is it just focused on you on cerebral palsy how do you define it uh well we long ago uh chose to serve people with disabilities in general and it's it's mainly developmental disabilities so we have clients that are post trauma post accident uh about 65% of the people we serve are not cerebral palsied is that right yes wow amazing and so, we, so you're helping people with various disabilities. Yes, yes, and it it, it really varies by city and by affiliate, uh, depending on what other services that exist in the town. If there's, uh, if a town has a pretty good support system for kids with autism, we may not be serving them. But in some towns where there's not much going on for autism, you'll see kids with autism in our programs. And it is true with cognitive disabilities and, uh, um, you know. Post-accident, uh, we're not uh, very discriminating. It's more of what kind of skill sets do we have and things that we can provide and what does this town need. Now, cerebral palsy, how many people, for example, in the United States or worldwide have cerebral palsy? In the United States, we think there's around a million people with cerebral palsy, and the numbers are growing. Um, it's uh, people are living longer and the incident rate is increasing. Uh, throughout the world, it's very hard to measure and uh, because doctors report it very differently. And one of our uh, concerns about trying to figure out how, the, how it's impacting the world is that we just don't live in an isolated country anymore. It can't be that way. Uh, just last year, we had an international conference on the definition of cerebral palsy so that we got one clear, agreed-upon definition of cerebral palsy among physicians and hospitals and researchers. So now we can start really trying to sort out how much this is impacting the population and is that changing over time. Well, something that Steve and I were talking about over the break is also how many people with disabilities are victims of crime? <clears throat> and there's a large portion that are, and especially people with developmental uh, disabilities. And Steve, you were saying that you're going to be ta- your UCP is going to be dealing with that at a conference this year. It is, yes. Uh, we've been doing some regionally, but we're hoping and, and planning on putting on a uh, pre-conference to our annual meeting, uh, a full day with speakers coming in about. The incident, what to do about it, how to how to discover it. Uh, once you do what you do, is a follow up of it, and that's in um, April 26, uh, 2006, in Little Rock, Arkansas. 
And anybody who might be interested can go onto our website, which is www.ucp.org, and look under our conferences and take a look at that. Uh, it, and it's not just victims of crime. Pe- people in wheelchairs, people with physical disabilities, people with judgment issues, they are extraordinarily vulnerable. And the stories you hear and the statistics that we know of are some of the most frightening things you ever saw. And if we don't have personal safety for people, we're not going to have freedom for people. We can do housing, we can do jobs, we can do transportation, but if people don't feel safe and comfortable, if they're not being intimidated or psychologically abused, then we'll never get to where we want to be. And that is true, never, never, ever. And as you were talking about, Foster care, there's a lot of problems there, right? Yes. Uh, we actually uh, feel like it's probably one of the linchpins in the system breakdown. The foster care system has a preponderance of kids in it who have a disability. We know that the foster care system produces disabilities in children and that the level of abuse and neglect of kids coming into that system and how they're dealt with is one of our biggest societal issues. And foster care for us is a huge um, focus and something we're paying considerable attention to. We actually have been working for a year and a half with a children's foster care rights organization called Children's Rights uh, and feel very strong about their work and are working with them to help them focus more on children with disabilities because of the vulnerability. Oh, that is horrible. That is really tragic. But I'm glad that someone's bringing it to light because as long as everything is in the darkness or hidden, you know, we can't do anything about it. Yeah, this is something people don't like talking about. And, you know, it's not a rally cry for action. You can't say, oh, come on, let's all get together and rally for, for abuse and neglect. People don't want to deal with it. They don't want to talk about it. On the other hand, we started some regional meetings. We did a meeting um, in um, Springfield, Illinois, um, about nine months ago, and we thought we'd just have a local meeting at the college, and 500 people showed up. Wow. And what we heard was just um, uh, horrible. But if, if you're in a wheelchair and you're out in public, you're out or you're vulnerable using some assisted device in, in mobility, you know how vulnerable you feel. You know how threatened you can feel by things around you. And if you're vulnerable to others, particularly in your daily care, uh, it's so easy to be taken advantage of. And it's it's people who are vulnerable know what I'm talking about. And, and so do moms and dads who worry for their children. Uh, this is a huge issue. Huge issue, uh, knowing how vulnerable and dependent a child can be. Yes. Well, you know, <clears throat> when Andy and Parado, I was talking to him today, and one of the things that we did talk about briefly uh, was the Supreme Court upholding the Oregon-assisted suicide law today because the Supreme Court did come back with a 6-3 ruling right. uh upholding this law, and I know that Diane Coleman, who has been a guest on my show before, was quoted in the article I read saying that this really concerns her. Of course, she's with the disability group, not dead yet. She is very worried about the impact this could have for people with disabilities. 
um, who are vulnerable. What do you think about that? You know, there's always two ways of thinking, and I tend to think that people with disabilities are the best people to speak about this uh, rather than have us sit in chairs and philosophize about it, somebody else's life. And I don't, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely not into playing God for anybody. Uh, And that's just across the board. Uh, On one hand, I think people should have the right to make decisions about their lives. On the other hand, I think her point and uh, Not Dead Yet's point has got to be listened to by everybody all the time because, um, you know, you you don't want a society that's allowing people to play God for somebody else. Right. Uh, And that is just absolutely crazy. Uh, On the other hand, when you totally respect somebody and respect their right to make their choices, sometimes their choices are not choices you might make. Right. I I think the whole thing is the fear of someone who has a disability <clears throat> that does, you know, uh, one of the examples she talked about is someone when they had first been in an automobile accident had quadriplegia, and she said, do you remember how you felt right then? Like, did you want to live? And, of course, no. Right. Are you glad you're living now? Yes. So, you know, I think that's what worries the uh, disability community, and it, it concerns me, but... I feel that with people like Diane out there, that she will keep this in front of everyone nonstop. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, I also commend her for all of what she's doing. Anyway, mm-hmm. Stephen, you started your work in Los Angeles and Ventura counties. Yes. And you did a lot of work in Los Angeles and Ventura <laughs> counties. Now, since then, what advances have you seen in your mind in public policy as it relates to housing? Oh, uh, you know, needless to say, I think the the biggest impact has been the Fair Housing Amendment of 1988, uh, which really started setting a tone for um, legislative and regulatory support for accessible housing and universal design, Um, everything from accessible common uh, areas and pathways and controls and being able to turn around in your kitchen and your bathroom, pretty basic things, <clears throat> but it was a first uh, big step. Uh, and we've seen a lot of progress with uh, partnerships between um, uh, housing developers and local communities and the use of uh, HUD 811, which is, is important, if not more important than ever. Um, uh, these are huge steps forward. And if you talk to people who are on the ground in local communities, what we see today is people that, in, in spite of our philosophy, everybody should live independently and free and have a life and a home of their own, a lot of the obstacles of getting there was the individual, their families, the professional supporting them, all never could see that vision. They thought, oh, no, this person could never really do it. Oh, no, 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 no. no. We see now people living in their own homes independently who nobody ever dreamed they would be there even even though we had the philosophy about it as a practical matter, we never saw how that could actually work. And now we see it working. And to me, that that just opens up all kinds of doors. Uh, I think the ADA was a very important step. I still think that we've got a ways to go about universal design. And um, uh, I think the world should be universal design, and I don't think it should be a conversation. Right. And so how, ways to go. how do you feel that that is going? Like, what could we do more in that area? Well, you know, generally I feel like disability and disability issues are not on the table in anybody's discussion these days. 
Um, everybody is extraordinarily distracted with other things, and either we're not making our case or people think everything's solved because of the ADA and there's some money thrown in our direction. Uh, but I, I think that we've got to get the attention of the states and, the, and uh, the federal government. I think we have also got to get a better relationship with organizations like the National Home Builders Association and find ways of showing people the benefits of all of this. And I think one of our big opportunities coming up is us baby boomers are aging, and there's a clear intersect between uh, disability issues and an aging population. Uh, and most people who are aging don't like to label themselves as having a disability, but when grandma says she's not seeing so well or she needs a little help and support in getting to the, uh, down the hall, I think it may change things dramatically and I think we need to be prepared for that and take advantage of it because everything that we do makes the world easier for everyone else. And you know what? As a woman with epilepsy, so many of the elderly are people with epilepsy and don't even know it. Right. So, you know, you're right. There is a real intersection there, and we've got to focus on that. And anyone listening to the show today, you know what I say to everyone, wake up, because if we don't do something, no one's going to do anything. And with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back with our civil rights leader, Steve Bennett, the president and CEO of United Cerebral Palsy. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Bringing the world together. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at benderconsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.benderconsult.com in the U.S., and www.benderofcanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.benderconsult.com. I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. 
Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race dog. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. If you have a question or comment for Joyce or her guest, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now back to Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. And if you just joined us, we are talking to Stephen Bennett, the President and Chief Executive Officer of United Cerebral Palsy Association, and it is an honor to have him with us. And, Steve, one thing that worries me is I often feel people aren't, even people with disabilities, of course, people in general, are not educated enough sometimes on the impacts of legislation, what it could have on them. And, And one thing, for example, is Medicaid. I know that, you know, there's a we're on the line here with what's going to happen to Medicaid. What impact would cuts to Medicaid have on people you service at UCP or people with disabilities in general? Well, uh, it's going to be fairly uh, devastating. I'm I'm really concerned about this. And let me try to summarize it real quickly. Medicaid funds provide critical services. These are services that we are often invisible to people. People in a local state may think their state's paying for it because it may be relabeled or branded, but physical therapy, speech, occupational therapy, prescription drugs, home services, community-based services, assisted technology, durable medical equipment, wheelchairs, on and on. Those are the kinds of things that Medicaid fund. And most Medicaid beneficiaries, by definition, have to be in a certain poverty level. It's not like that there's a choice where they can go out and and, and buy things over the counter or, or buy regular health care. There's just no way that they could afford this. So it's a de- program designed for people at a certain level uh, in our economy and for people who need these services. The budget reconciliation bill that's going to be reconsidered by the House of Representatives uh, we think as it stands could really harm us and harm uh, the people who are the beneficiaries. Uh, it allows the states to do much more cost sharing, so they're able to uh, make the uh, beneficiary pay for some things that they're not paying for now. Uh, and, and co-pays on this are significant uh, because if you don't have money to pay rent and don't have money to buy groceries and now you've got to start buying your drugs and co-paying for every time you see uh, a doctor, this is this is a real uh, problem. It also gives states uh, an opportunity to start shifting um, the way that they fund things, uh, moving things from one category to another that at one point had been required for them to provide to Medicaid beneficiaries and in the future may be left up to states to put on waiting lists. And though we may not feel the impact right away, within a couple of years, we're going to see waiting lists grows in states for people who can't get support at all. And, and we're wondering, what are they supposed to be doing? In the meantime, while they sit on a waiting list uh, for Medicaid services, this was designed as an entitlement program. 
and and we believe it needs to be cleaned up and there can be some correction to it that will help it immensely uh but by just cutting the dollars and giving more control to a local state to take away entitlements to us is a huge risk and we're very concerned about it and when will that be when would that ruling be it's just in the next uh few weeks oh well, everyone needs to do something you know what that is all their legislators. Particularly if you've got a moderate Republican legislator, those are the guys who promised they would never let this happen, and they're going to be key to whether this gets through uh, the reconsideration in the House. Okay, so if you're listening, you pick up the phone and make that call because it will impact you in a devastating manner. I think we have a caller on the line. You sure do. It's Tony Coelho. I'm calling in <laughs> to say what a great job Steve has been doing. So that's why I'm here. Well, what an honor to have you calling in, Steve. You know Tony Coelho? Of course I know Tony. He's the one we should be talking to. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I, I, Joyce, uh, I've said this several times that uh, in dealing with a lot of people in Washington, I have uh, got turned off a lot about what people were willing or not willing to do with uh, disabilities. And John Kemp, our friend John Kemp, suggested I should meet Steve. And so John set it up. I went over, and I had a parking space with a parking meter out front. I put in a dollar's worth for, I mean, yeah, for an hour, and I figured that would be more than sufficient time and give me an excuse to get out of there. I went up to the meeting, and at the end of an hour, I went down, quickly put in four more quarters, and stayed another hour, and then did it again for a half hour, uh, because I got so turned on with John, what Steve is trying to do in regards to big sky and changing uh, the way people uh, deal with those of us with disabilities. So uh, you're talking to somebody who's uh, really committed and somebody who is articulate and dynamic can uh, turn people on. So, And I'm a crusty old soul, and when he can turn me on, that says something. Well, of course, uh, Tony, I, I appreciate the kind words. I always think it's the dead opposite, though, with you. You're my inspiration, and you've provided more leadership in your short life than I could ever dream of it. Well... We could go back and forth, but I just, <laughs> I just, uh, uh, Joyce and, uh, your listeners, Joyce, is that, um, Steve is really a wonderful advocate for us, and I am involved with, uh, Steve and what he's doing because of my, my belief in what he is doing, but primarily because of my enthusiasm, uh, to work with Steve. So I, I'm really excited about, uh, his vision that I, uh, adopted as well, and we are making some great progress. So I assume that uh, you have talked about this and so forth, but it's something that's really exciting. Well, I would say to all my listeners, of course, the Honorable Tony Quello is the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act and a tremendous international leader for people with disabilities. But what he said is true in that those words would not come out of his mouth as an endorsement for anyone unless they really were at the top of the heap and that he really means it. So 
That Stephen coming from Tony Quello is the ultimate compliment. That's right. By the way, I would just tell you, Joyce, for your listeners, is that uh, Doro uh, Bush Cook has been on your show, and I talked to her yesterday, and she's writing a book uh, uh, by, on her father's life, and a major part of it is going to be uh, his role in the ADA and and um, what uh, he did there and some of the things went on. So I'm really excited about it. She was interviewing me yesterday and my relationship with her father. So uh, lots of good things happening. If we can just uh, create the right amount of enthusiasm, we can make a difference. So that's exciting. Well, that's wonderful. Yeah. That's really great. Yes, well, she is really a, a good person, and I'm very happy to... Uh, I'm not surprised to hear that a lar- large part of that would be dedicated to the ADA and disability because I know how important that uh, is to her father. And, of course, right. she would be the one interviewed. And, Stephen, did you have anything else you wanted to say to Tony? Uh, no, uh, Tony, we need to get together and talk soon. I've got a bunch of stuff I need to go through with you. <laughs> yeah, I know. We, we're making progress, Joyce, in regards to uh, raising some money for the effort and uh, – I, I'm very optimistic, so we're going to uh, stir the pot and see if we can get people to think different, so it's exciting. Well, but I don't want to take up any more time. I just wanted to call in and, and let your listeners know uh, how proud I am to consider Steve a friend and what he is trying to do, so I appreciate it very much. Any call from you, Tony, is always an honor. Thank you for calling Thank in. you, Lee. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Take care, Tony. Well, Steve, I have to tell you that is the ultimate endorsement. I'm I'm impressed because with Tony <laughs> Quello, you know, he, he really I meant what I said. You know, here's Tony. He's so powerful. He's right. dynamic. He's a great man. He is a tremendous individual. I couldn't speak highly enough of him ever in my life. But he's not the type of person that would easily give uh, an endorsement to anyone. So coming from him, that is a true compliment. I think so, too. Thank you so much. Yes. Well, you have done a lot, and obviously you're very dynamic, so you're going to keep things going. And as we said before, isn't that what we need now? We need passion and fire to keep things moving. Right. I just want to repeat what we were saying before Tony called in, how important it is for our listeners to pick up the phone or email their legislator about that budget reconciliation. No, cut, no cuts to Medicaid. That's right. No cuts to Medicaid. And with that, we're going to go to break, and then we'll be right back again with Steve Bennett. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. We'll be right back. Internet Talk Radio. You're listening to VoiceAmerica.com. 
At Vendor Consulting Services Incorporated, our mission is to provide superior technology consulting services to our customers while creating career opportunities, independence, and freedom for people with disabilities. While the demand for skilled technology professionals is reaching an all-time high, over 13 million disabled Americans, many of them experts in technology, remain unemployed. Since 1995, Bender Consulting Services Incorporated has worked to solve these critical social and business issues by providing employers with reliable talent and giving individuals with disabilities the chance to display their talents and enhance their lives through solid careers. If you're a person with a disability seeking employment, send us your resume via email to resume at BenderConsult.com. For more information about our services, visit www.BenderConsult.com in the U.S. and www.BenderOfCanada.com in Canada. Bender Consulting Services Incorporated, providing and creating employment opportunities, freedom and independence for people with disabilities. www.BenderConsult.com I'm Garcelle Beauvais-Nylon. When I played a DA on NYPD Blue, I got all the facts before trying a case. Yet many don't know the facts about epilepsy. There are two and a half million Americans with the condition, and one in ten Americans will have a seizure in their lifetime. People with epilepsy want to lead normal lives, but too many of us don't know what epilepsy is or what to do if someone has a seizure. To learn more, visit epilepsyfoundation.org or call 1-800-332-1000. Tune in every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time for Powerful Prayer with host Connie Coddington. Each week, Connie and her guests will explain the healing system called Christian Science and share stories of how they have used the spiritual laws of God to bring healing to their lives. You can learn how to bring healing to your life, too. So tune in to Powerful Prayer with host Connie Coddington every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, only on Voice America, America's Voice. My name is Maxine Thompson, and I am America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. The world leader in Internet talk radio. Internet talk radio. You're listening to America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. If you have a question or comment, please call toll-free at 1-888-335-5204. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. And welcome back. We have been talking today to Stephen Bennett, the President and Chief Executive Officer of UCP, United Cerebral Palsy Association, and what a treat it has been to have him on the show. And Steve, we have a listener here from Maine, uh, Mr. Bennett, great job you're doing. I'm so glad that you help all people with disabilities across the board, including people with cerebral palsy. I know in my life that's important to my family. A question we have, how do we donate funds to UCP? Uh, you actually can do that directly online at uh, www.ucp.org. Uh, you can also, on that site, get our address if you want to send us a check. Uh, we also have a terrific uh, affiliate in the state of Maine um, that is uh, does terrific work, and they're always happy uh, to get uh, donations, and they also can be found through our website, www.ucp.org. Now, in Maine, where in Maine are they? Uh, they're in uh, Bangor, but they are... Um, uh, kind of regional. Uh, they really do services throughout that whole region of the state. Well, that's great because they can also contact them. But one more time, if someone is listening to the show 
and they want to make a donation to UCP, what is the website again? www.ucp.org. And, you know, just a word I'd say about that. Um, everyone knows my advocacy is employment. I'm all about employment and employing people with disabilities. Uh, but I can say to you as a woman with epilepsy that's been doing this now for a while that UCP is a tremendous organization. So remember, when you're helping them, you're helping people with disabilities because we need voices. We need people out there talking about all of these things, talking about Medicaid, talking about housing, and, you know, funding helps make that happen. That's right. um, Steve, I don't know if you ever got to read the book War of the Week, but in this book, Edwin Black says the new war is not eugenics, it's now genetics. What do you think about that? Yeah, the, I think the book's um, called War Against the Week. I'm sorry, War way. Against the Week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, it's it's a fascinating book. It's very disturbing um, uh, to see uh, the way uh, he perceives what went on and et cetera. You know, I, I look at it and I think, well, uh, uh, societies uh, go through weird periods. But I think here, you know, we have a value system about life, uh, about the uh, the the mere acceptance of life, the support of life. We have a value system about quality and life without limits. We have a, a value systems about diversity. So, uh, you know, my view is um, that th this is a conversation we don't get into because it's absolutely off the table for us. Uh, uh, and I, I don't know of any conspiracy at the moment in, in genetics uh, to... Uh, uh, cleanse the world, or whatever they were talking about in uh, War Against the Weak. Uh, but to us, it, the whole conversation is absolutely out of line and not something that we uh, would ever participate in. Well, you know what? That I, I think why people are worried about that is, for example, with children with Down syndrome, right. you know, or various disabilities, how through testing they can tell the parent and then make a decision, you know, to abort the child. Um, but I want to tell you, that book, War Against the Week, I heard about that book from Andy. Right. And wow, if you've never, that book is like shocking when you read it. I mean, when I read that book, I felt as if, um, where did I live? I never knew any of this happened. Yeah. Um, but it really does make you wonder, because I know even as a person with epilepsy, you know, with genetic testing coming up, the question is, out there, you know, are we going to go forward and what are we going to do with this, which I know AAPD talks about that a lot and is dealing with that a lot. Yeah. Uh, but the thing is, it's such a such a big issue, you almost need uh, a whole show just about that. Y yes, and the issue is getting um, more in the forefront. There, uh, New York Times Magazine did a whole series on this last summer, and it was just shocking to read uh, – you know, some of the stuff that's going on and some of the dilemmas I think we're all going to be faced with uh, as time moves forward. And I think it's going to take a lot of uh, good ethics and thinking through. Clearly, we need information. Uh, Well-used information with a good value system is extremely important. And I'd hate for us to go bury our heads in the sand because I don't think it would uh, is, is a smart idea. Uh, on the other hand, I think we have to be very careful about our ethics and value system. And in our society, you know, we're we're a society that values life and uh, is 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 more of a uh, 
spiritual society than a secular society. I know a lot of people might not agree with that, but when you look at these kinds of policies, particularly compared to states in Northern Europe that have a more secular philosophy about life, uh, it's a very different kind of thing. So when I, when I think about the United States compared to other societies, I think we do have a fairly strong ethic uh, and um, these kinds of things are not uh, either just accepted or pushed under the table. I think we get them out and and, uh, and discuss them at some length. And I know that there are organizations and groups like AAPD who will keep that watchful eye and uh, keep it on the uh, center of public debate, which it needs to be, because I think there's a lot of questions that are going to have to be answered as we move forward. Well, the, there are there are so many, as I said before, so much for us to do, right, Steve? Yes. But with you, how about you? What is the legacy you want to leave at UCP? Well, I'm 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 hoping, of course, to have had a good employment period, <laughs> <laughs> and that you know uh, that the organization moves forward in a good way. Uh, you know, I, it's hard for me to say. I, I've always spent most of my career being a facilitator, uh, somebody who can make things happen. And what those things are often are not up to me. They're up to people smarter, brighter, or and, – and I feel this very true about disabilities, that my work in disabilities, that people with disabilities and families and, and the communities as a whole uh, need to have the vision. And my job is really to, to help, help cause that to happen and then make something happen out of that. Uh, so I guess my legacy is helping, uh, having something concrete done that feels like we're still moving things ahead. You know, in the 70s and 80s, we were on fire about getting people out of state institutions and putting together all these building blocks that we use today, SSI and 94142, the public law that gets kids into school and the Rehab Act and, and uh, HUD, Section 202, uh, Section 8 and 202 building money. And all of those things were building blocks so that we would have things in a community where people could live successfully in the community. And we've done amazing. Uh, it's just uh, when you look back, it's, it just blows me away. And then you look at it a second time and we think, okay, we've gone so far, but is this really the way we wanted it to turn out? Is it really working the way we want it to? And I don't think so. I don't think it's true in employment. Seventy percent of people with disabilities are not employed. I don't think it's true in the school systems. It's not true in housing. It, we talked about abuse and neglect and, and victims of crime. This is a huge issue going forward. It's not the way we want it to be yet. It is not right yet. And if we can, uh, and if I can play a role in helping people understand and buy into that it is not right yet, we don't have it right yet, and our society owes it to each other to have a world where it is right, or at least more right, and we, we are able to move and keep moving rather than to get bogged down. One of the things I heard when I came to the national office was people saying, well, just make sure we get more Medicaid. Make sure Medicaid doesn't get cut. Well, let me tell you, that's not a vision about the future. That's a pretty sad state of affairs. And that's the kind of thing we have to change. 
we can't accept the fact people saying, well, there's not enough money. Well, there's enough money for a new war in Iraq. There's enough money to respond to Katrina. And, and, and uh, no judgment there. But then there's darn well enough money to do what we need to do for parents, what we need to do for people who are being discriminated against and not given opportunity. And I'll stop before I... I, I think we should you know elect you for office. That's what I yeah, think. Yeah, I think You know not. what? If, you see, <laughs> no. if you're listening right now to this show, or if you listen later on, now you know why Tony Coelho is so impressed with Steve Bennett. That's the fire and passion we need, folks. That's what we need, because as long as you're just accepting everything as it is, it's going to just get worse. That's what's going to happen. That's right. It's just going to get worse. You can't go all this time and have this tremendously high unemployment for Americans with significant disabilities and not stop and say, what the heck is wrong with this system? Or, as Steve said, housing, you know, problems with housing, deplorable, so many things. And it is a bigger picture than just one thing. That is for sure. Um, well, Steve, what message would you like to leave with our listeners today? Well, you know, over the last uh, year and a half or so, we've been talking about what what is our byline? What what do we really want to say to people? United Cerebral Palsy, you know, has a fairly labeling name, and we've talked a lot about changing our name, but but people so know the brand that we want to use it as a vehicle, a power for uh, people with disabilities. So we started talking a lot about life without limits, and we're talking about taking everybody for who they are accepting them for who they are, and then trying to support a world where they don't have any limits on that and they can be whomever they want to be and live the kind of life they want to have. And to us, it's constantly the talk about life without limits. What a wonderful world that would be. Life without limits. No discrimination, no barriers, acceptance for everyone. Wouldn't that be great? Well, you know we're going to use your quote, of course, attributed to you. Are you making this a UCP? Is that going to be the quote that you use? Life Without Limits? Yes. Absolutely. It is on everything we do now. It is called United Cerebral Palsy, Life Without Limits. Well, that's why when we get uh, our calendars made and feature something with you, that's what it would say. UCP, Life Without Limits. Steve, let me tell you. First, it was an honor to have you on the show, but in behalf of all Americans with disabilities, thank you for everything that you're doing because you are exactly what we need. Well, uh, Joyce, I so appreciate you saying so, but I also appreciate you doing the show. It's a terrific way to communicate and uh, be part of the world that we live in. And you can continue hearing Steve Bennett. As you know, the show will be archived on voiceamerica.com and on benderconsult.com. And once again, that's ucp.org if you want to make a donation or if you want to find out more. And at the end of every show, we always end with a quote from a famous civil rights leader. And today, that would be from the Honorable Dick Thornburg, October 19, 2005, when he spoke at the New York Law School at the second annual Tony Quello Lecture in Disability, Employment Law and Policy. And he said, we must increase our devotion to enhancing employment opportunities 
for people with disabilities rather than more dashed expectations. I thus maintain my hope that we will one day achieve the ADA's integration goals and maximize the economic empowerment and human dignity of all, all Americans with disabilities. This is Joyce Bender. You've been listening to Disability Matters, voiceamerica.com. See you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Internet Leader and Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com.